Chapter 19 The Paradise Mystery by J. S. Fletcher This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sean McGahey January 27, 2007 Chapter 19 The Subtlety of the Devil There was a sudden determination and alertness in Bryce's last words which contrasted strongly, and even strangely, with the almost cynical indifference that had characterized him since his visitors came in, and the two men recognized it and glanced questioningly at each other. There was an alteration, too, in his manner. Instead of lounging lazily in his chair, as if he had no other thought than of personal ease, he was now sitting erect, looking sharply from one man to the other. His whole attitude, bearing, speech, seemed to indicate that he had suddenly made up his mind to adopt some definite course of action. "'I'll tell you more,' he repeated, "'and since you're here, now.' Mitchington, who felt a curious uneasiness, gave Jettison another glance, and this time it was Jettison who spoke. "'I should say,' he remarked quietly, "'knowing what I've gathered of the matter, "'that we ought to be glad of any information Dr. Bryce can give us.' "'Oh, to be sure,' assented Mitchington. "'You know more then, doctor?' Bryce motioned his visitors to draw their chairs nearer to his, and when he spoke it was in the low, concentrated tones of a man who means business, and confidential business. "'Now look here, Mitchington, and you too, Mr. Jettison, as you're on this job, I'm going to talk straight to both of you. And to begin with, I'll make a bold assertion. I know more of this Rychester Paradise mystery involving the deaths of both Braden and Colishaw than any man living. Because—' "'Though you don't know it, Mitchington, I've gone right into it, "'and I'll tell you in confidence why I went into it. "'I want to marry Dr. Ransford's ward, Miss Bewery.' "'Bryce accompanied this candid admission with a look which seemed to say, "'Here we are, three men of the world who know what things are. "'We understand each other.' "'And while Jettison merely nodded comprehendingly, "'Mitchington put his thoughts into words.' "'To be sure, doctor, to be sure,' he said. "'And accordingly, what's their affair is yours, of course.' "'Something like that,' assented Bryce. "'Naturally, no man wishes to marry "'unless he knows as much as he can get to know "'about the woman he wants, her family, her antecedents, and all that. "'Now, pretty nearly everybody in Rochester who knows them— "'knows that there's a mystery about Dr. Ransford and his two wards. "'It's been talked of, no end, amongst the old dowagers and gossips of the close. "'Particularly, you know what they are. "'Miss Bewery herself and her brother young Dick, in a lesser degree, know there's a mystery. "'And if there's one man in the world who knows the secret, it's Ransford. "'And up to now, Ransford won't tell. "'He won't even tell Miss Bewery.' I know that she's asked him. He keeps up an obstinate silence. And so I determined to find things out for myself. Aye, and when did you start on that little game now, doctor? asked Mitchington. Was it before or since this affair developed? 
in a really serious way since replied mr bryce what happened on the day of braden's death made me go thoroughly into the whole matter now what did happen i'll tell you frankly now mitchington that when we talked once before about this affair i didn't tell you all i might have told i'd my reasons for reticence but now i'll give you full particulars of what happened that morning within my knowledge pay attention both of you and you'll see how one thing fits into another that morning about half-past nine ransford left his surgery and went across the close not long after he'd gone this man braden came to the door and asked me if dr ransford was in i said he wasn't he'd just gone out and i showed the man in which direction he said he'd once known a dr ransford and went away a little later i followed near the entrance of paradise i saw ransford leaving the west porch of the cathedral he was undeniably in a state of agitation pale nervous he didn't see me i went on and met varner who told me of the accident i went with him to the foot of st ritha's stair and found the man who had recently called at the surgery he died just as i reached him i sent for you when you came i went back to the surgery i found ransford there in a state of most unusual agitation he looked like a man who has had a terrible shock so much for these events put them together bryce paused a while as if marshalling his facts now after that he continued presently i began to investigate matters myself for my own satisfaction and very soon i found out certain things which i'll summarize briefly because some of my facts are doubtless known to you already first of all the man who came here as john braden was in reality one john brake he was at one time manager of a branch of a well-known london banking company he appropriated money from them under apparently mysterious circumstances of which i as yet knew nothing he was prosecuted convicted and sentenced to ten years penal servitude and those two wards of ransford's mary and richard bewery as they are called are in reality mary and richard brake his children you've established that as a fact asked jettison who was listening with close attention it's not a surmise on your part bryce hesitated before replying to this question after all he reflected it was a surmise he could not positively prove his assertion well he answered after a moment's thought i'll qualify that by saying that from the evidence i have and from what i know i believe it to be an indisputable fact what i do know of fact hard positive fact is this john brake married a mary bewery at the parish church of braden medworth near barthorpe in leicester i've seen the entry in the register with my own eyes his best man who signed the register as a witness was mark ransford brake and ransford as young men had been in the habit of going to braden medworth to fish mary bewery was governess at the vicarage there it was always supposed she would marry ransford instead she married brake who of course took her off to london of their married life i know nothing but within a few years brake was in trouble for the reason i have told you 
He was arrested, and Harker was the man who arrested him. Dear me, exclaimed Miss Chington. Now if I'd only known. You'll know a lot before I'm through, said Bryce. Now Harker, of course, can tell a lot. Yet it's unsatisfying Brake could make no defense, but his counsel threw out strange hints and suggestions, all to the effect that Brake had been cruelly and wickedly deceived, in fact, as it were, trapped into doing what he did, and by a man whom he'd trusted as a close friend. So much came to Harker's ears, but no more, and on that particular point I've no light. Go on from that to Brake's private affairs. At the time of his arrest, he had a wife and two very young children. Either just before, or at, or immediately after his arrest, they completely disappeared, and Brake himself utterly refused to say one single word about them. Harker asked if he could do anything. Brake's answer was that no one was to concern himself. He preserved an obstinate silence on that point. The clergyman in whose family Mrs. Brake had been governess saw Brake after his conviction. Brake would say nothing to him. Of Mrs. Brake, nothing more is known, to me at any rate. What was known at the time is this. Brake communicated to all who came in contact with him just then the idea of a man who has been cruelly wronged and deceived, who takes refuge in sullen silence, and who is already planning and cherishing revenge. Ay, ay, muttered Mitchington. Revenge? Just so? Brake then, continued Bryce, goes off to his term of penal servitude, and so disappears, until he reappears here in Rochester. Leave him for a moment, and go back. And it's a going back, no doubt, to supposition and to theory, but there's reason in what I shall advance. We know beyond doubt that Brake had been tricked and deceived, in some money matter, by some man, some mysterious man, whom he referred to as having been his closest friend. We know, too, that there was extraordinary mystery in the disappearance of his wife and children. Now, from all that has been found out, who was Brake's closest friend? Ransford. And of Ransford at that time there's no trace. He, too, disappeared. That's a fact which I've established. Years later he reappears, here at Rochester, where he's bought a practice. Eventually he has two young people, who are represented as his wards, come to live with him. Their name is Bewery. The name of the young woman whom John Brake married was Bewery. What's the inference? That their mother's dead. That they're known under her maiden name, that they, without a shadow of a doubt, are John Brake's children. And that leads up to my theory, which I'll now tell you in confidence, if you wish for it. It's what I particularly wish for, observed Jettison quietly, the very thing. Then it's this, said Bryce. Ransford was the close friend who tricked and deceived Brake. He probably tricked him in some money affair and deceived him in his domestic affairs. I take it that Ransford ran away with Brake's wife and that Brake, sooner than air all his grievance to the world, took it silently and began to concoct his ideas of revenge. 
I put the whole thing this way. Ransford ran away with Mrs. Brake and the two children, mere infants, and disappeared. Brake, when he came out of prison, went abroad, possibly with the idea of tracking them. Meanwhile, as is quite evident, he engaged in business and did well. He came back to England as John Braden, and for the reason of which you're aware, he paid a visit to Rochester, utterly unaware that anyone known to him lived here. Now, try to reconstruct what happened. He looks round the clothes that morning. He sees the name of Dr. Mark Ransford on the brass plate of a surgery door. He goes to the surgery, asks a question, makes a remark, goes away. What is the probable sequence of events? He meets Ransford near the cathedral, where Ransford certainly was. They recognize each other. Most likely they turn aside, go up to that gallery as a quiet place to talk. There is an altercation, blows, somehow or other. Probably from accident, Braden is thrown through that open doorway to his death. And Collishaw saw what happened. Bryce was watching his listeners, turning alternately from one to the other. But it needed little attention on his part to see that theirs was already closely strained. Each man was eagerly taking in all that he said and suggested. And he went on emphasizing every point as he made it. Collishaw saw what happened, he repeated. That, of course, is theory, supposition. But now we pass from theory back to actual fact. I'll tell you something now, Mitchington, which you've never heard of, I'm certain. I made it in my way after Collishaw's death to get some information secretly from his widow, who's a fairly shrewd, intelligent woman for her class. Now the widow, in looking over her husband's effects in a certain drawer in which he kept various personal matters, came across the deposit book of a friendly society of which Collishaw had been a member for some years. It appears that he, Collishaw, was something of a saving man, and every year he managed to put a bit of money out of his wages, and twice or thrice in the year he took these savings, never very much, merely a pound or two, to this friendly society, which, it seems, takes deposits in that way from its members. Now, in this book, is an entry, I saw it, which shows that only two days before his death, Collishaw paid fifty pounds, fifty pounds, mark you, into the friendly society. Where should Collishaw get fifty pounds? All of a sudden, he was a mason's laborer, earning at the very outside twenty-six or eight shillings a week. According to his wife, there was no one to leave him a legacy. She never heard of his receipt of this money from any source. But there's the fact. What explains it? My theory, that the rumor that Collishaw, with a pint too much ale in him, had hinted that he could say something about Braden's death if he chose, had reached Braden's assailant that he made it his business to see Collishaw and had paid him that fifty pounds as hush money, and later had decided to rid himself of Collishaw altogether, as he undoubtedly did, by poison. Once more Bryce paused, and once more the two listeners showed their attention by complete silence. Now we come to the question, how was Collishaw poisoned, continued Bryce, for poisoned he was without doubt. 
Here we go back to theory and supposition once more. I haven't the least doubt that the hydrocyanic acid which caused his death was taken by him in a pill, a pill that was in that box which they found on him, Mitchington, and showed me. But that particular pill, though precisely similar in appearance, could not be made up of the same ingredients which were in the other pills. It was probably a thickly coated pill which contained the poison, in solution, of course. The coating would melt almost as soon as the man had swallowed it, and death would result instantaneously. Collishaw, you may say, was condemned to death when he put that box of pills in his waistcoat pocket. It was mere chance, mere luck, as to when the exact moment of death came to him. There had been six pills in that box. There were five left. So Collishaw picked out the poison pill first. It might have been delayed till the sixth dose, you see, but he was doomed. Mitchington showed a desire to speak, and Bryce paused. What about what Ransford said before the coroner? asked Mitchington. He demanded certain information about the post-mortem, you know, which he said ought to have shown that there was nothing poisonous in those pills. Pooh! exclaimed Bryce contemptuously. Mere bluff! Of such a pill that I've described there'd be no trace but the sugar-coating and the poison. I tell you I haven't the least doubt that that was how the poison was administered. It was easy. And who is there that would know how easily it could be administered? But a medical man. Mitchington and Jettison exchanged glances. Then Jettison leaned nearer to Bryce. So your theory is that Ransford got rid of both Braden and Collishaw? Murdered both of them, in fact, he suggested. Do I understand that's what it really comes down to, in plain words? Not quite, replied Bryce. I don't say that Ransford meant to kill Braden. My notion is that they met, had an altercation, probably a struggle, and that Braden lost his life in it. But as regards Collishaw... Don't forget, interrupted Mitchington. Varnish swore that he saw Braden flung through that doorway. Flung out. He saw a hand. For everything that Varner could prove to the contrary, answered Bryce, the hand might have been stretched out to pull Braden back. No, I think there may have been an accident in that affair. But as regards Collishaw, murder, without doubt, deliberate. He lighted another cigarette with the air of a man who had spoken his mind, and Mitchington, realizing that he had said all he was going to say, got up from his seat. "'Well, it's all very interesting and very clever, doctor,' he said, glancing at Jettison, "'and we shall keep it all in mind. "'Of course, you've talked this all over with Harker. "'I should like to know what he has to say. "'Now that you've told us who he is, I suppose we can talk to him.' You'll have to wait a few days then, said Bryce. He's gone to town, by the last train tonight, on his business. I've sent him. I had some information today about Ransford's whereabouts during the time of disappearance, and I've commissioned Harker to examine into it. When I hear what he's found out, I'll let you know. You're taking some trouble, remarked Mitchington. I've told you the reason, answered Bryce. Mitchington hesitated a little. Then, with a motion of his head towards the door, beckoned Jettison to follow him. All right, he said. 
There's plenty for us to see into, I'm thinking. Bryce laughed and pointed to a shelf of books near the fireplace. Do you know what Napoleon Bonaparte once gave as sound advice to police? He asked. No? Then I'll tell you. The art of police, he said, is not to see that which is useless for it to see. Good counsel, Mitchington. The two men went away through the midnight streets and kept silence until they were near the door of Jettison's hotel. Then Mitchington spoke. Well, he said, we've had a couple of tales anyhow. What do you think of things now? Jettison threw back his head with a dry laugh. Never been puzzled in all my time, he said, never. But if that young doctor's playing a game, then by the Lord Harry, Inspector, it's a damned deep un. And my advice is, watch the lot. End of chapter 19